Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. To get you through the holiday week, check out theringer.com for our July streaming recommendations, analysis on the U.S. women's national team during the World Cup, and takeaways from an exciting start to NBA free agency. Also, we'll be sticking to our regular podcast schedule, so make sure to tune in to your favorite shows throughout the week as usual. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, a.k.a. Kevin O'Conflict, a.k.a. Kevin O'Candyland, a.k.a. Kevin Opinionated. Kevin! Verno, what's going on, man? Free agency. That is what is going on. (laughs) And let's get this out of the way. We are recording this on Tuesday morning. There is a ton of smoke regarding... Kawhi Leonard possibly signing up with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, if we are to believe that Las Vegas typically has a beat on what is going to take place, they have lowered the odds for the Los Angeles Lakers. There are a lot of reports out there saying that they have met with Kawhi. And, and it, there's just a lot of people saying that they think. And, and, and the other thing is players coming out via Twitter or other avenues um, with the inference that that is where he is going to go. Now, I suppose if Masai does get the last meeting with Kawhi, then he's got a chance, right? Um, but it certainly sounds like, you know, the guy's mind may be made up before he even has that last meeting with Toronto. Um, I don't know. I didn't see it going this way. If this is the way it does, in fact, go, Kev, what do you think? I don't know, man. Like, the Kawhi Leonard thing is a total mystery here. Um, my my gut tells me it'll be one of the L.A. teams, but who really knows? Uh, with him, to me, it's like his choice, and I, I wrote about this this week, like his choice will determine how we perceive the, the entire league going into the season. Because right now, Chris, as it stands, there are like 10 to 15 teams you can make a case for have an actual chance to win the championship, whether it's with their roster right now or whether they make one more move to put them in that serious conversation for a championship. But if Kawhi goes to the Lakers, we're going to have another super team like the Heatles, like the Hamptons Five Warriors, where they are the clear and definitive favorite and other fan bases feel like there's just no shot. But if he goes to the Clippers, they'll be a favorite or the favorite, but not so it's to such an extent that it'll be overwhelming over other teams. And if he stays with Toronto, it took four bounces to get by by Philadelphia last year. Luck might not be on their side next year. And so Kawhi's choice is going to just change everything of what we're feeling right now in this moment. And that's a league that is just filled with more parity than I can remember in a long, long time. There is nobody outside of Lakers fans that wants that to be his choice. Nobody. Every other NBA fan, you you just laid out what the differences are. Nobody wants him to go there. It's just stupid. You know what I mean? And we, and I think we've always fancied, we don't really know this guy. We know less about Kawhi than any of other superstar. And yet it's always, you've always got the impression that he wants to be the best player in the NBA. And he wants to be the giant slayer, you know? And he has been, he has been twice. (laughs) He has been twice. Um, and I love that too. You know, how do you, distinguish yourself i think there is a lesson in you know how kevin durant i was reading zach lowe's article this morning about 
you know, how one 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 person I can't remember who it was was quoted in there saying he thought that winning the championship would, you know, solve everything, and then he he won it, and he still kind you know kind of felt empty after winning it because it's like, well, who cares? You know what I mean? Who cares that you won the championship? You signed up with a seventy three win team or whatever. Um, Happiness has to come from within. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that, and and maybe <laughs> listen. There's always that factor of being at home. You know, and maybe the guy just wants to go home. But obviously, if he goes home, you hope he goes to the Clippers and not the Lakers uh, because, you know, they, we've seen guys come together, but nothing like that. Nothing like nothing like having LeBron Davis and Kawhi all on the same well, team. That's that's an outrage. Maybe, but Kevin Durant joining a 73-win team I know. is is pretty, pretty strong, too. Uh, and that Golden State roster also had stronger depth. You know, with Iguodala and and Sean Livingston uh, closer to the primes of their careers, I'm not sure if it would be quite that Warriors team. KD joined a 73 win team, but yeah, it'd be pretty close because if you're at least looking at the guys on paper, I mean, I know you can argue the semantics here, but it's three like top eight guys or so, right? I mean, I, I don't think that's you, you would argue that strong. Like three, there's top eight nobody guys. that has, there's nobody that has a list that would not have those three in the top eight. Nobody. I mean, there's there's some. I mean, <laughs> there's I mean, some the, out there. But like, put it this maniacs. Way. Maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, forgive me. I, I'm sorry to all the maniacs out there that wouldn't have those three guys in yeah. their top eight players in the league. You know, if the Lakers do get Kawhi Leonard, though, it'll be fascinating to see how they fill out the rest of their roster with just a bunch of cheap guys that are just are scraps left on the market because there's not a lot of left. Not a lot left out there, Chris. So much has happened already, not just of the top guys signing, but of those lower-level players who are uh, guys getting exception deals. Uh, there's there's not much out there for him. For that well, and as we know, you then are, in fairness, uh, let, me, let me play the devil's advocate on them having Kawhi Leonard, right? <laughs> it's not a great one, but you are very, very dependent upon the health because your depth is going to be absolute crap. And we have seen, <laughs> though it did not get them until, well, you know, years down the road, it it got the Warriors right. They lost one of the players, and it stopped. It kept them from winning a championship. And those are three guys that are not the model of health between those three. And if you lose one of them, so I don't know. I think there is a reasonable argument. If you can get Kawhi Leonard, you get Kawhi Leonard. I get it. But I also think there might be a reasonable argument that you've got LeBron James and you've got Anthony Davis. And we've seen a lot of duos in the past having two superstars in your starting lineup and then filling it out with role players around them be very, very successful, you know? And obviously, I think these three can mix together because they're so great. But, you know, if you've got LeBron and you've got AD, you could have taken that money and you could have gotten. I mean, you could have had a real roster around them. You yeah. That is the trick to having the three guys is you are totally dependent on the three guys staying healthy because the rest of what you have, to your point, is just not going to be good enough against the best teams when it comes Western Conference Finals time and when it comes, right? Like when you've got teams like Denver bringing Malik Beasley off the bench, right? He's He's just so much better than anybody you're going to have coming off your bench, if if you especially if you've got guys injured. Um, there are some so solid guys. That's the left, risk. 
Yeah, it's, that it's, is the risk. It's certainly the risk when like now your options are Vince Carter, Jared yep. Dudley, Joakim Noah, Ian Clark, you know Noah Vonley, guys like that. Javale McGee bringing him back. J.R. Smith if he gets bought out. Jeff Green. It's like these are uninspiring names, but they're not horrific necessarily. You can still build a. a a good enough bench considering just how outrageously strong your starters are. Um, but but still, <laughs> still, like it is a monumental risk for them to do what they're doing, but it's a necessary risk, and it's a risk that's quite admirable and one that they should do um, because it's Kawhi Leonard we're talking about Of course, here. he might be the best player in the world right now, and that's what makes it so. I think that he is so good that there are a myriad of teams he could go to. Like, obviously, if he goes back to Toronto, they have to be one of the favorites. I think if he goes to the Clippers, they would be right there amongst the favorites, certainly in the Western Conference. The Clippers Um, already have their depth. The Clippers are already a strong overall team. (laughs) And so you look at it and you go, we are so close to having just an unbelievable who-knows league. We're so close to that. And so I I would be mega disappointed. If he chose the Lakers, I'm sorry to Laker fans out there, but it sucks for everybody except for you. You know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> it does. I mean, it sort of does. It's like, I know. so if Kawhi goes to the Lakers, the league to me is still going to be super, super enjoyable. Like it'll be fun to root against the Lakers. It'll be root to see that. It'll be fun to see that greatness on together on the court. Unlike we've ever seen before. Um, but like in terms of like championship aspirations, it, w- it would be a little bit deflating for fans of teams like the Nuggets or fans of the Blazers. These teams that right now, today, as of recording at 8.30 a.m. Pacific, it feels like they have a shot at a championship. Um, all that changes if he goes to the Lakers. If he goes to the well, Clippers... here's the thing! The Clippers would be favorites, but they're not, they're not obscene favorites. The Raptors would not be obscene favorites either in the right. East. Kev, you could take LeBron off that team and they would still be championship quality. <laughs> If you had Kawhi and Anthony Davis? That's a good point. I mean, if you had a team that just had Kawhi and Anthony Davis on the same team, you'd be like, damn, who's beating them? Yeah. That's freaking Kawhi and Anthony Davis on the same team. So the fact that LeBron isn't even necessarily essential to make them great, that's preposterous. Preposterous. I don't like it. I hope he doesn't. You know, it's unusual. It feels like Toronto is sort of faded from at least the conversation here like they're still going to get the last meeting they still have a shot of keeping him but we haven't talked a heck of a lot about Toronto we haven't I mean we the collective we the NBA community that's true where do they go if he doesn't go back there what do they do what's what's Masai's next move well I mean so there's so much still in the air there's not a lot of teams that have cap space left but if if it seems like Danny Green's waiting He's like the second best free agent left behind Kawhi Leonard. If Danny Green is waiting on Kawhi, that could mean Danny Green is either going to go to Dallas, who has cap space, or if Kawhi goes to the Lakers, he could go to into the Clippers cap space or the Mavericks cap space. Or for Danny Green, if Kawhi goes to the Clippers, the Clippers could always flip Gallinari to create cap space for Kawhi Leonard and Gallinari would fit in just about perfectly into Dallas's remaining cap space because Dallas pulled out of that trade with Goran Drogic and Kelly Olenek, whatever the whatever that package was from the Miami Heat, and they had to figure things out in that in that trade for Jimmy Butler and Josh Richardson. So Dallas could be waiting as well to see what happens with Kawhi because if they were to get Gallinari, that would be a much much better haul and a more intriguing fit next to their current core there. 
with Doncic and Porzingis. Uh, so I, I wonder, like, for Danny Green, how much of a factor... Uh, well, we do know Kawhi's decision is a factor for him, um, but this has a domino effect on other teams as well that still have some cap space. And Danny Green is an important cog to all this. Chris, you know, I was watching The Bachelorette last night, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I was kind of just, you know, staring into space, wondering, what if there's a mystery team? What if there are a mystery team for Kawhi Leonard? Who would it be? No, what do you mean, come on? Is is anything in the NBA ever as it seems? Yes. (laughs) Sometimes, (laughs) but not all the time. Who would have expected D'Angelo Russell to be signed and traded to the Warriors? At the beginning of the summer. Who could have expected that, Chris? Wait, so you are acting as if there are not a, a finite amount of teams that Kawhi Leonard would be interested in at this point? I mean, <laughs> is that what you're really trying to sell me on? I know. I'm just saying, like, what if there were a mystery team? That's it. That's all. What if there are a mystery team? Who oh, I be? hate that. I think you were... I think you were staring off into space after taking a couple of hits. No, I was what not. If, what if there's a mystery team? No. I, there's not a mystery team, Kevin. No. Go back to Earth. Because I was just thinking of all the weird things that were happening this summer. And I was like, why wouldn't why wouldn't Golden State at least place a call to Kawhi Leonard be like, hey man, like give what? us a chance. What do you mean what? For the last two years, there's been reporting from everybody in the Warriors beat that they were going to go hard after Anthony Davis. Well, they didn't get AD. There was reporting before they got KD when it seemed so unrealistic that they're gonna, they were going to go after Kevin Durant. They did get KD. So it's right now, if you're Golden State, this, Rus- this D'Angelo Russell trade, the reporting around it, has been so unusual, so weird, where you have Mark Stein saying that they will trade Russell at some point in the near future. You, you have the athletic reporting that the Wolves thought all the way that it was yes, 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 then suddenly they don't even really get a no. It just happens that he goes to Golden State. It's just weird, man. All the, all the reporting around the Russell part and the fact Golden State has, has two times, they have successfully got KD, and then they w- wanted to get AD, and they, they didn't. Why wouldn't they at least go for Kawhi Leonard here? And it is financially possible to do a... Quadruple, quadruple or a triple sign and trade or five way sign and trade in order to get Kawhi Leonard. And like it is the most improbable possibility ever. But I was just thinking last night, like, what if there were a mystery team? That's it. Because the, report, well, the reporting around the Russell part with the Warriors has been so odd. That's why. Well, Kawhi does have this choice, though. Yeah. Exactly. He does have that choice. He has the choice. Exactly. Yeah. And so then you would be counting on Kawhi having a mystery team out there. Not just a team that would want to go after him. It's different a team wanting to go after him than a guy saying, this is where I want to be, or this is the choice I am making. And it appears, I don't know, maybe we don't know his choices. All right. It's just fun to think about. That's all. That's all. It's just fun fun to to think think about about. Kawhi on the Warriors. I mean, for God's sakes, I just got done bitching about how I didn't want him on the Lakers. Now we're going to get rid of Durant and put him on the Warriors. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I know. I know. Could you you at least have done like a mystery team and it's the Bucks or something? Or or the Grizzlies. A mystery team and it's the, I don't know, whoever. The reporting around the D'Angelo Russell part to the Warriors is is just weird. Like, why would he go there? 
when you know Mark Stein, a very respected reporter, and others are like, "Yeah, they're gonna, they want, they're gonna trade him." <laughs> like, why, why would he go there? I don't understand. It's just very weird. That's all. That's all. Well, I don't think it was as much about going there as it was signing that contract, right? Yeah, the Wolves would have given him that contract. They, they, they were, they were in position to create the cap space in order to land D'Angelo Russell. Right. Either through didn't want to go to Minnesota. Yeah, but it was, it was yes, 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 all the way until suddenly it wasn't. Hmm. Just so odd. That's all. It's just so weird that like I am just suspicious of that. That's it. Okay, that's all. all. Right. I'm He's, just suspicious. He, Why would he go says, to the Warriors, a team like his future there? Is no guarantee where they could trade him in six months. It's just weird. Hmm. All right, I'll at least think about it. It's something that I would have to think. I don't know what their move is. I, I, I don't think anybody particularly believes that D'Angelo Russell is there for the long haul in in Golden State. Um that being said, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Let me get to the Eastern Conference and while we were talking about how, you know, obviously so much rides on the Kawhi uh, decision, but these other teams that were up top in the Eastern Conference. Um, let me just run through the ones that were right there last year. And so you would suspect would be able to run it back and be an extremely good team up uh, this year. Milwaukee. Um, they obviously threw all the money at Middleton. They lost Brogdon in the process. Um, Made a couple minor moves uh, here and there, adding the other Lopez brother, which was interesting. Um, uh, brought back George Hill. What do you make of what Milwaukee has done? And that's a team that won 60 games and was an Eastern Conference representative uh, or a finals representative last year. It's nice that they got the guys back that they did, Middleton, Lopez, Hill. But losing Brogdon is something that should not be overlooked. Um, Malcolm Brockton, Brockton was arguably their second best player at times throughout the full season at definitely at times throughout the playoffs. He is one of their best shooters, if not their best shooter on the team. He is one of their best, most versatile defenders, a great locker room guy, a good passer. Brogdon is look, your, your, your championship hopes don't necessarily lean on him. If you're Milwaukee, when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, the MVP, however, the MVP does need a strong supporting cast, and Brogdon was pivotal to their success on both ends of the court. Yeah. I liked that in Wes Matthews yesterday. I liked that on a on a minor deal. For sure. It, it, with that it's, team. It's not the end of the world, because, you know, Wes Matthews is solid enough still. You know? Well, it can work. Here's, it can work. The, here's, here's the thing. Um, let me ask you this, and maybe I'm out of bounds here, but there's been so much reporting, and I heard Woj say over and over, that they that nobody had more leverage than Chris Middleton. That because of Giannis's contract coming up, that they had to bring back Chris Middleton, and that was the price of doing business. It's the price of doing business, yes, because that's what Middleton could command, but also because they had to show Giannis that they're committed to winning, and so they signed him up for that deal. Do you think now? With that being said, that that would not have been the case that. I would rather pay, I mean, they're paying him, what, like, it's not quite $100 million, but I look at the Brogdon deal, and I say, damn, man, I'd much rather give Brogdon his deal than Middleton his deal, but that that would have been strong enough to signal to Giannis, oh, they're not committed to 
winning right now and building a real winner because they didn't pay Chris Middleton a billion dollars? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like I'd rather have Brogdon on his deal than Middleton on the deal he got. I mean, Middleton's a better shot creator. Uh, I get it. Guy who can create his own shot. So with Middleton, it's like you, you had to pay him. The problem is, is like, what other choices did you have if you're Milwaukee? You you didn't have a choice but to pay him. So yeah. for Milwaukee, this is it. Like, this is your core. This, this is what you're rolling with for the next two years with Giannis before he hits free agency. And like there is with every single other star player, there's going to be tons of rumors and noise about where he'll go. And like today, if you're asking me where Giannis will sign in 2021, in 2021, I would bet on the Bucks. <laughs> because they are a championship contender and he loves that city. And Giannis, to me, strikes me as somebody who's going to give it a, a long-term chance with the Bucks, with what they have. Um, however, like, this is it, man. Like, this is what you got moving forward and, unless they're able to make a big trade and we'll see who becomes available in the, in the near future. But, like, you would have to trade one of those guys that are keepers for you, a Middleton type, in order to get somebody better. Uh, so this is it, man. Like, this is your core. And it's not without, and it's without Malcolm Brogdon, unfortunately, who, like we just talked about, is super, super critical to to their success on yep. both ends of the floor. We already talked about the Raptors, the 76ers. I listened to you and uh, Chris Ryan and uh, Gans talk about the 76ers. It seemed like you guys were all in alignment. You really like what they did. Um, I'll tell you, man, I love Horford. I told you last week. I think Horford is a guy that has possibly superstar caliber impact on teams yet is certainly not regarded that way. Just what he brings to a team offensively and defensively. And it's hard to imagine him not being on a good team. In fact, I was reading something yesterday saying he's never not been in the playoffs. So there's a reason I think of him as a winning player. Him and JJ Reddick. Yeah. He's been in the playoffs every year. Yeah. You know, and that I feel like people, I don't like JJ didn't average like 10 points a game last year. JJ averaged 18 points a game last year. Dude's a beast. That is that is a lot to replace. Um, he averaged 18, and then obviously Butler was the be all end all when it came playoff time. Um, you know, you had an erratic, uh, you know, Ben Simmons up and down. You had uh, sometimes available, sometimes unavailable. Joel Embiid sometimes great, sometimes you know not. Um, but Jimmy Butler was kind of the mainstay and he was certainly the guy in the last five minutes of those games. And if they lost, it was probably because Jimmy didn't play well. And if they won, it was probably because Jimmy played really well, right? In the last five minutes, I feel like losing Butler and Reddick are massive losses that are not easily replaced. And I also think that that is a ridiculous contract for Tobias Harris. That's just me though. And I would have said that no matter who signed him. So you're I just not feeling as good about their summer as a lot I just, of others. No, are. just, I mean, Tobias Harris, I, I'm sorry. It is hard for me to get past a team getting rid of you and getting better. But that happened. That happened. How good can you be if somebody got rid of you and you they got better? How good can your business be if they got rid of you and you get better? Like, that's not the way that it works. Our producer, Clippers fan Isaac Lee, is just over there nodding his head, smirking and smiling at your Tobias Harris comments. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the other thing that's always scared me about him is the guy's been in the league for, what, seven, eight years? Every damn team, he's been on five teams. None of them wanted to keep him. 
How yeah. is that possible? I mean, you look, it is. How is that possible it, it that is, everybody ends up getting rid of him? It is pretty funny to think that Tobias Harris in the year 23-24 will be getting paid $41 million. I mean, that's outrageous. <laughs> Come on. Get real. I mean, he's never made that's an all-star team Joel either, Embiid. right? Well, and he hasn't made oh, an all-star God. team, has he? Uh, I mean, no. I don't know. Last he, year was his best chance of the Clippers. Even if he did, the dude. Eastern Conference. Like, like, what does All-Star mean? Like, D'Angelo well, Russell made the All-Star last year. All right, here's year. what I know. D'Angelo Russell had a good year. He had a good year. Uh, but I, I know he had a good year, but, like, he wouldn't have been an All-Star if it were, like, no conferences. I don't think that I should be able to get rid of you or lose you to injury and improve and then have to pay you $180 million. Well, that's the funny thing about it with Tobias Harris. He wasn't great with the Sixers. He shot only 32% from three during the regular season from them with them uh, during the postseason, you shot only 35% from three. So Tobias Harris had like a really, really good overall season factoring in what he did with the Clippers alongside Gallinari uh, in their, in their front court. But with the Sixers, like he really wasn't great at times. He looked like well, the, the fourth wheel <laughs> on that roster. I love the Horford I, deal. I hate the Tobias deal. And I think Philly fans are going to turn on that dude. Like, Nothing else. Because when he's rele- relegated to like spot up shooter in the corner, when he has well, games and when where they look around and they say we can't get anybody else because we got stupid Tobias Harris paying him forty million bucks. You know, you could be right. You could be right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but I will say this though, getting Josh Richardson is quite an addition for them. I like Josh Richardson. Richardson. I think Josh Richardson's a little overrated by the media intelligentsia. I would agree with uh, that. I would who gets to that. see him twice a year? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, like who the hell is watching the Heat on League Pass? Stop it already! Everybody talks about these guys that are on the you know the, the these teams that nobody ever really watches them play night in and night out, right? You ask Heat fans, with the ones that exist still, um, that you know, what they think about the guy more so. And I don't know. He just gets talked up so much. It's like, well, then why did they suck? <laughs> I mean, like, if the guy is so great, why do they suck? They got, they got players on that team. That, that, huh? There are great players that play on bad teams, Chris. I'm just saying he's not a big mo- needle mover. That's what I'm That's saying. That's fair. And I would, I would agree with that. But <laughs> And Jimmy Butler is. Jimmy Butler moves the needle. And I, I get that they turned on Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler ain't there anymore. But Jimmy Butler moves the needle. To he is the anti Tobias Harris in the sense that he does, he talks too much. He probably gets into it with uh, you know his uh, you know his coach and his and his teammates more than what you want. But like he leaves a place and they go to hell. They don't get better. They don't get better when Jimmy Butler leaves. They get, they get worse. You know what I mean? A team that was a the third seed when he got hurt two years ago, like they didn't, they, they weren't sniffing the playoffs this past year. There wasn't that much change except for Jimmy Butler not being there. And they added players. They added Robert Covington. There's your he he goes on the Josh Richardson team. Robert Covington and Dario Saric, but they didn't right. Like that team was significantly worse without Jimmy Butler. And so I just think Butler and Reddick are massive losses. I love both those players. Especially J.J. J.J., I mean, like Butler, obviously, he has the star power. But J.J. was an important cog in their offense. They ran so much dribble handoff between him and Joel Embiid. And that was something they ran like nearly every time those guys, those two shared the floor at least once during a stint together. Um, now that's going to have to be replaced. And maybe it can work out. In another way, maybe you're able to run more pick and roll, which is something that I think the Sixers should do. 
Um, but however, like this team doesn't have a lot of shooting. That's the one big concern with them. They don't have any true knockdown guys. Al Horford's fine. Josh Richardson is good. Uh, Matisse Stiebel, a rookie coming in, you hope he'll be he'll be good as well. Um, but like they don't have a ton of shooting. Uh, Joel Embiid is somebody already teams are willing to sag off of. Ben Simmons is a non-shooter. Tobias Harris, Josh, uh, Josh Richardson, and Al Horford. Like that, those are your three. Those are your shooters on on the roster, and and none of those guys are elite shooters like JJ Redick has been his entire career. So well, the for other them, thing is, whose team is it? I mean, that team was a team that Jimmy Butler walked right in and was like the alpha. Like he just walked right into it and was the alpha. So is it Embiid now? Is that who it is? Is he the alpha on that team? Great teams have to have one. Al Horford wouldn't stand up to Kyrie Irving. We read that. You know, Tobias is just like off in the corner. And Simmons is not really that, you know, he's not a domineering type attitude. I mean, you do have to have an yeah, alpha dog. He wants to be. So I guess it has to be Embiid, right? I mean, I think it is Embiid. Uh, okay. But, but really, like behind, here's the thing, right? I think with it can work now because I think it's Embiid and Simmons' team. It's those two who are the guys who are going to control everything that's going on on the court. Richardson and Harris have shown an ability over the course of their career to do what they need to do. They can do the stuff on ball when they have to. They can stand in the corner, run off screens when they have to as well. And and with Richardson, the concern was like, who's your guy at the end of the clock now, which is what, what you're touching on. Richardson will have to be the guy who eases into that, as will Tobias Harris. And because Ben Simmons, until he develops at least an average jump shot, cannot be that in a playoff setting at the end of the clock. And even for Joel Embiid, he needs to get better from the perimeter as well. Um, his his three-point shot has hovered around 30% over time. So if he's put into an off-ball spot-up role or a post-role for the Sixers, that shot needs to improve. But Horford helps there with Embiid um, because at least Horford can be the guy who spaces and then then Embiid can be inside. Issue being that Ben Simmons also is somebody you want inside. The fit's weird. Um, But I I, would be very fascinated to see how Brett Brown integrates all these guys. I, I said this on another podcast, but... I think that you'll you'll see maybe more quote unquote close pick and rolls like where you have two big guys screening for each other near the rim um, from the baseline. The Bucks have done this a, a lot with Giannis. The Sixers did last year as well with Embiid and their other larger players. And maybe we'll see more stuff like we saw with the Clippers with Blake Griffin handling the ball with DeAndre Jordan screening. You could see a lot more of that. Um, just two two big pick and rolls closer to the rim. Um, but that would go away from what Brett Brown has historically done. They don't run a lot of pick and roll. So I'm, All right. I'll be fascinated to see how their offensive system changes. All right. The four seed last year was the Boston Celtics. Obviously, we know they lost Kyrie Irving and they lost Al Horford. Um, I This is clearly not the offseason that I think Danny Ainge or anybody uh, that is an observer of the Celtics thought that they would have. Um they had a massive press conference with about 600 draft picks, it seemed like. I think people thought they were going to trade those draft picks. I think people thought they were going to trade, you know, they were going to be trading four players or adding players in free agency. Not much on the Celtics front uh, that has happened. T- Scary Terry also left. Um, they have added Kemba Walker. And well, I guess yesterday was Cantor. Uh, other reports are. What do you make of the Celtics offseason up to this point? Fine, considering that losing Irving and losing Horford was out of their control. Getting Kemba Walker, he's a 
better overall fit than Kyrie uh, in the personality department, for sure. That kind of goes without saying. Um, but also on the court, he's a bit more like Isaiah Thomas with his willingness and his style off of screens and off of handoffs. Kyrie Irving is a better sh- better shooter, a better scorer, a better defender. Uh, he's a better player, period, than Kemba Walker. But Kemba is not far worse than Kyrie. And he might be a better fit in the sense that Brad Stevens will be allowed to run more of his crisp motion actions that he'd like to during the Isaiah Thomas era and still have a guy who can dominate the ball when necessary at the end of games and fourth quarters. So it could help in that sense. But losing Al Horford, Chris, that changes the whole dynamic because Horford was integral to Isaiah Thomas's success during that historic 16-17 season when Isaiah Thomas had one of the most efficient high-volume scoring seasons in NBA history, placing fifth in MVP voting. He was integral the last two seasons to Kyrie Irving's success because of the floor spacing he provides as a shooter, because of the playmaking he provides in the half court, but also as a guy who can bring the ball up the floor and initiate the offense, giving the, the team a different look. So losing Horford means that this team is going to have to find a different way to play And right now, they don't have a big man besides Robert Williams, uh, besides potentially bringing back Daniel Tice, who is not that good, besides playing small with Grant Williams, a rookie, or Shemi Ojale, who is just a fine role player. Wait, what about Cantor? Didn't they get Cantor? But that's where I'm getting to. And with Cantor, Cantor, who the only guy that they've added, he can't defend like Horford, and he's not a playmaker like Horford, and he's not a shooter quite like Horford. So their style is going to change drastically because of Horford's loss. And I, I'm not sure what that means for Kemba Walker and the other guys on that team like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but I know it's not good. All right, let me move to the next team uh, beyond the Celtics, and that is the Indiana Pacers. I, I've been reading your tweets during free agency. I think there's two teams that you and I really agree on, and that is Utah and Indiana. And really liking what they did. And interestingly enough, Indiana lost one of their key pieces, Bogdanovich, to the aforementioned Utah Jazz. And Indiana added Malcolm Brogdon, who we're both a big fan of. And then I was going through their roster, and I remember, uh, you know, you, you kind of forget some of the stuff that happened in the draft. I really, I've always been a TJ Warren guy and think that TJ Warren could be a really nice player in high level games. I want to see guys like him get to play playoff basketball, and I'm interested in what they can do. Um, those teams lost some pieces. Thaddeus Young, obviously, a loss for them also. But, I, uh, you know, you get Oladipo back. Man, I really like that backcourt uh, in Indiana. And, obviously, Utah and what they've done with surrounding Mike Conley. When, when you've got a lineup that save Gobert, Donovan Mitchell is the worst shooter in, that is insane. I mean, it's insane to think that Donovan Mitchell is like the least likely to hit a three-pointer of the four other guys on the court outside of Gobert. But that is true with what they've got right now. So I love what they did, man. Yeah, let's let's do Indiana first. Indiana and kind of what they've done this offseason. That was a team that I think surprised everybody last year by losing Oladipo and still staying in the mix. They were a home court advantage team until the last couple of weeks of the season. And I think they've improved possibly greatly, don't you? Isaac, like you can just copy and paste everything I said about Brogdon in regards to the Bucks part and like put it right here with how the impact that he can make on the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> uh, like the two way impact Brogdon will provide to that team now in yep. a backcourt alongside Victor Oladipo. 
Brogdon's not your primary guy. Oladipo is, but Brogdon can push Oladipo off ball because of his playmaking, ball handling ability, which is going to be great for him. Uh, and then never mind the defensive impact that he brings next to Oladipo, another very, very good defender with Miles Turner, a guy who, if he is able to increase his minutes, will be a defensive player of the year candidate this year. So you look at this Pacers team, they're going to be a, another strong, strong defensive team. But now they added Brogdon, a guy who can make a, a complimentary offensive impact. And then TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, who are not great by any means, but Warren has shown some serious flashes to add a scoring punch to that roster. The Pacers, they're exciting, dude. They are exciting. I thought Jeremy Lamb was going to be a big overpay, and they got him on a good contract. You know what I mean? Like, I thought he was primed to be a... Some team needs a shooting guard. He averaged 15 points a game last year. He's going to get a bunch of money because there's not a boatload of peers. Um, but I thought they got him on a pretty good deal. Um, so, I, all right, we're both like what Indiana did. How good is Brooklyn next year? Do you think significantly better than they were this past year? Um, we know they are not going to have Kevin Durant for a year. They made the moves. They got Kyrie. They got Kevin Durant. They added their buddy DeAndre Jordan to that mix. Um, you know, then they've lost some guys, some of those role players that that played really nice roles for them. The Jared Dudleys of the world, the Damari Carrolls of the world, uh, D'Angelo Russell, obviously on a different team. Um, do we think Brooklyn is a lot better next year than they were this past year? Yeah. Yeah, they should be. Kyrie Irving Even a, without KD. Kyrie Irving's a better player than D'Angelo Russell. Yes, they, they should be better than 42 wins. It should work. Uh, I think with Kyrie, like the personality stuff, you know, it's it's real. There's a legitimate concern about that with him. Um, but on the court, he's a better shooter, a better scorer, a a a guy who has proven himself against the best players, whereas D'Angelo Russell is young and so much of his success was because of his potency from mid-range. Kyrie is potent from everywhere. He's better at getting to the rim, and I've thrown up this stat a couple times already, but with D'Angelo Russell, of guys that attempted over 18 shots per game, had the second lowest free throw rate ever in NBA history. Irving doesn't get to the rim a lot either, but he can when he wants to, unlike Russell, who has a slower first step and isn't quite as silky of a ball handler. So Kyrie is just a better player, period. Never mind the fact that you're going to have Karis LeVert for the full season after the, the leap he took and adding Taurine Prince, who is a really, really good complimentary scorer and maybe in this Kenny Atkinson system, his defensive consistency improves as well. And then DeAndre Jordan with Jared Allen, it'll be interesting. Jared Allen is the better of those two based off production last season. But with DeAndre Jordan, he can still rim run. He's still an elite rebounder. The question will be, where is his defensive effort? The last three years or so, he has been a bad defender, especially this past season with the Mavericks and the Knicks. He has been a bad defender who just does not try. But he doesn't try, so maybe now he begins trying on that end. Here's the trick, though, okay? And I get it with the Kyrie stuff. Brooklyn was a worse version of that Boston team a couple of years ago. In that you watch that team and it seemed like they had this great chemistry. They all really liked each other. They played a bunch of guys. And so I'm not saying that, you know, it's going to have the same thing. But that is the impression I always got with Brooklyn last year. That team was 
filled with joy. They were super deep. They had these really, you know, good role-playing veterans that are not the best players in the world, but it felt like a collective was doing it and that that team all really liked each other. The Ed Davis and Shabazz Napier and Alan Crabb and Damare Carroll and uh, Jared Dudley and Spencer Dinwiddie and all these guys. It was kind of, a, you know, the... They, they all raised each other up and they kind of did everything as a team. Um, and, and you wonder, right? Like we saw the impact that it had on Tatum and we had on Brown playing with Kyrie. What kind of impact does it have on Joe Harris? What kind of impact does it have on Karis Levert? Um, and these guys, I mean, I think you just say, Oh, Kyrie's awesome and it's going to be awesome, but who knows? It could screw up that chemistry too. And that team, I felt like was in part successful because of that chemistry they had last year. You know what? It, it's it is a thought, and it's a, it's a serious you know concern that Kyrie could potentially ruin everything that they've built there. Um, but I, I will say this: with in regards to Brooklyn system, they are a team that runs a lot more pick and roll than Boston does. They finished the in the NBA last year the fourth most possessions using the pick and roll. In the entire league, Boston was 25th. So when you're considering the system, a team that runs a lot more isolation, a lot more pick and roll, it is what they've done last year. They just happened to do it with Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie Irving. And now it's going to be a lot more Kyrie with Dinwiddie and some of the other guards that they have on that team. So he, his style you know, with the heavy pick and roll is a more of a fit with that roster with what Kenny Atkinson wants to do. So I'm a little bit less concerned with it. Okay, whereas with, with, well, with some of the guys that you mentioned on that team, like a Joe Harris, well, he's an off-ball player. I get it. For Boston, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier, they literally just led a team to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. And then Gordon Hayward comes back and he stinks. Then Kyrie Irving comes back and he's being weird the entire season, making passive-aggressive comments about his player, his teammates not sacrificing. So for Boston, a lot of it was because of Kyrie just destroying the chemistry. But part of it was just because of the circumstances with Brown and Tatum being guys that are young guys who want to get better and who need the ball in their hands. And then Hayward coming back and just sucking. <laughs> like, he wasn't good, man. So the, the mix just wasn't right there. Whereas with Brooklyn, I, I feel a bit better that it's going to work. Uh, and with Kyrie Irving, like he's not a bad guy. And that's something to remember here. He's not a bad person. Um, he has to, he's, you know, can be difficult. There can be drama, but he's not a bad person. And so for Brooklyn, I think you're going to be fine with Kyrie there, especially with having KD coming back in a year Guess what? Even if Kyrie and is is whining and certain guys are having difficulties with them, guess what? You have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You're still a championship contender. Okay. Let me ask you about a couple other of these teams. The two that I was, what? Why are they spending so much money on what they're spending that so much money on? Were, well, let's save the Knicks for a little bit later because I'm told that you love the Knicks now. Oh. But let's go. <laughs> hey, the Magic. And the Kings, two teams that have some really talented young players on those teams. And yet when I was seeing, you know, it come across the screen, the Magic signed this guy to this contract. And uh, and, I, and I've got respect for John Hammond as a GM. I just didn't really get it. And then the Kings, I mean, I get that like some of these are non-guaranteed at the end. But just in terms of the reporting, at one point it was like 
I think it was 188 million combined to Trevor Ariza, Dwayne Dedman, Harrison Barnes, and Corey Joseph. And I'm like, what? Like 188 million? That's what you're spending? <laughs> I, I mean, I just yeah, and, then, and and then on the Orlando side. Uh, oh, boy. You know, I, the, the Vucevic Kings. thing was the first thing. Uh, poor, poor Riley from the ringer. Okay, they, so oh, it boy. seems goofy to you too, right? Like, I mean, that's an awful lot of money. And then they signed your boy Rashawn Holmes last night. I'm like, what the hell did you spend all that money on Dwayne Dedman then for? Like, what? I swear, Vladdy loves centers. He's just going to try to... Every one of them is going to play for the Kings at some point. They should have given Rashawn Holmes the max. They should have put the <laughs> I can't believe he's going to a third team already this young in his career. You got to hang on to guys like that. The Kings added some solid role players. It's just they paid them all too much, including Harrison Barnes. They're paying him too much, twenty over $21 million annually. Uh, well, here's the thing. Would Harrison Barnes and Trevor Ariza theoretically should play the same position, right? Like they're both small forwards next to a guy that you drafted number two last year, Marvin Bagley playing power forward. I mean, I guess you can move Barnes over, but like even just the duplicity of it all, that's what was crazy to me. So I don't, here's one reason why I don't necessarily mind it too much. It, it, there is some overpays here, but at least now the, most of these contracts can be up because they're non-guaranteed or options, as you said. That's fair. At least you can head into 2021 or 2022 and have the ability to create some cap space. At well, least, you, at least them, you have that choice. I saw them last year, and obviously they did not have an amazing year, but I, I remember tweeting it a, out. It was a super competitive year, man. Like, man, like I, almost, would love to the build, I would love to build around a core of Fox, Heald, and Bagley. And Bogdanovich. Give me, yeah, and, and I love Bogey, too. If you got those four guys, I mean, that's, that's not that hard to build around. Exactly. And then they got to this offseason, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Well, and what that's, are you doing? That's the thing. I mean, for them, it's yes, they overpaid for Deadman and Ariza and Joseph, but you're building an infrastructure around that young core you're talking about. Fox, Heald, Bogdanovich, Bagley, in order to provide them necessary, solid, veteran, supporting players to help promote their development. So this is why like, I don't mind it. Yes, they're overpays, but you got to spend the money somewhere and you're getting guys who you know are rock-solid players who fit around the young guys that you want to continue getting better. They just can't continue. They, they, they can't make more mistakes uh, moving forward. I, I hope they don't do anything short-term. They need to be thinking about when these guys, Fox, Bagley, and so on, are, are about to reach their prime in that 2021 range. At that point, that's when the big move needs to happen. They need to be ready for that. So hopefully for the Kings, they don't screw it up. But I don't I don't mind the slight overpace. I really don't. Okay. The other one I mentioned was to Orlando. We kind of touched on that. And then let's get to the Knicks. Because, Kev, listen, I don't have a problem with them missing out on free agency after trading Porzingis. I mean, you can't trade Porzingis. Oh, you, you don't want to talk about the Magic. Don't want to talk about Markel Fultz. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go I'm, ahead. I'm just. I, I, I have nothing to say. There, <laughs> I really don't. Uh, well, you saw, you saw the money they spent. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you really liked about it? No, I mean, Amino's fine. Uh, you Did know. you have a meeting of the bomb believers? <laughs> yeah, uh, we all cried together that that, Vuce, okay. that Vucevic got a hundred million dollars, nearly double uh, what Brook Lopez got. I don't think yes. you're getting a lot of minutes at center if you're uh, Mo Bamba when you're paying the first guy 20, 20 million. Tough spot for Mo. Yeah. Tough spot. Yeah. 
right? Still had a song written after him. Still has a he bright did. future. That may be his bright lasting legacy, Bamba. honestly. Might might be yeah. his lasting legacy. Um, let me get to the Knicks. Listen, you can't whiff on free agency after you trade Porzingis. Trading Porzingis is stupid if you're gonna if this is what's gonna happen. Like you sell that for hey, and we've got this cap space now. But now you decide, okay, well, we do want to sign some players so that we can be competitive and we can at least have some good players on the roster and have some assets. They, but they signed three guys that played the same position. What? What? Why are you spending all that money on? Uh, can you, can we at least spread it out a little bit? I mean, I've got I got Julius Randle. I like Julius Randle. I like Bobby Portis and Todd Gibson. Whatever. But why am I citing all three of those guys who are all power forwards and can't play together very well? What What are we doing here? It's one thing to spend money. It's another to spend it stupidly. Uh, I like those players, but how about can we at least like spread it out to where we can get some players that can actually play together if I'm the Knicks? How can you like this? First, <laughs> how can you like this? It's the, the Knicks offseason is not as bad as everybody's making it out to be. Wait, it, what? It, it's like, yes, they missed out on Kevin Durant. Yes, they missed out on Kyrie Irving. Here's where the Knicks screwed up. The, the Knicks trading their trade franchise uh, player here, here, and then and then getting the booby prize. Here, here's where they screwed up. They should have waited on signing some of these guys in order to keep themselves flexible, in order to absorb a contract like we just saw with the Clippers taking on Mo Harkless and getting a future first round draft pick. That's what they should have done. That's where they missed out. However, signing these guys where all their deals are up in 2021 or can be up in 2021. That's not the worst thing in the world. Like they had, they got some guys who play hard. They they got some guys who can help, you know, hope promote the development of some of their young guys like RJ Barrett and Kevin Knox. And they need to fix their image over the next two years. So in 2021, they big they, <laughs> they We're can, not doing this again. We're not doing this again. In, in 2021. No. They can enter that out. Wait, no, wait a minute. The Knicks can enter the 2021 offseason. With the with, <laughs> with the following players on their rookie contracts: R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, their first round draft picks in 2021 and 2020, and the Mavericks' first round pick in 2021. Wow. They can enter free agency wow. with the ability to create two max slots that summer. <laughs> 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 Get out of my face. Get out of my face. So for stop. the Knicks. Stop. It's stop. all about. Stop. It's, it's you all can't about even say it seriously. You can't even say it seriously. Dude, I am serious. My man Fizz is going to become an alcoholic. Laugh. I mean, that dude really, you know he took that job thinking he was going to be coaching Kevin Durant. <laughs> Instead, he's going to be coaching Bobby Portis. Uh, Unbelievable. Dude, no, what's Bobby Portis is not. Horrific. Let's not act like he's a bad. Player. I didn't say. I, I, but that's not why you take that. You, you take that job thinking, oh my god, you know, I'm I'm one. I got to go through one hellacious season, at, and maybe I'm getting Zion. Maybe I'm getting. Maybe I'm getting Zion. Maybe I'm getting Kyrie. Maybe I'm getting Durant. Maybe I'm getting both of them. Like this is gonna be great. And you look up and you're like, oh my god, what? Like my best player wanted out. Like they should have kept Porzingis if this was going to be the case, right? I mean, no, I the Porzingis didn't want to be there. He's an injury prone player. They got two future first round draft picks for him and a, a, a handful of nice other young assets like Dennis Smith. It, it, no, the, the Porzingis trade no. is, is a significant risk, but it's something that they they gambled on. 
Yeah, all their gambles have been dumb. Like, it's is it called gambling when you lose every time? Yeah, gam- a lot of gamblers lose a lot of money. Yeah, my, 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 my other my other concern with the Knicks is there is there enough shooting around R.J. Barrett? No. <laughs> I mean, do you want me to answer your hypotheticals, or do you want to just let them sit in the wind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can answer them. Like, like oh. they're, they're only shooters on the team they really have her. <laughs> Please yeah. say it. Please. Please. Reg- Reggie Bullock. Wayne <laughs> 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 <And> Ellison. <laughs> <laughs> this man said they're only shooting at Reggie Bullock. Fuck the get out of me, man. Come on. Good grief. It's not as as you are talking through it and you are attempting to tell me how this is not as bad as I think it is. Every time you start to talk about their <laughs> roster, you can't even sell it to me without breaking up in laughter. You can't but do dude. it. They don't have much shooting. Because, for because you're Bullock. making me like, laugh. Bullock, what are we talking about here? It's because I hear you cackling Good. and questioning every every. Because it's outrageous. But it's not. Yes, it is, <laughs> dude. I've <laughs> okay. Everybody at the ringer think of thinks I'm nuts. I've been like you are. A, I've been in our ringer slack NBA slack the last couple of days, being like the <laughs> jokingly saying the Knicks are loaded. <laughs> Which loaded. They're, which they're, <laughs> it's a joke. Hey, like a diaper. They're loaded like a diaper. That's what. That's how they're loaded. But they are loaded like dude, a diaper. When I say that they can enter twenty twenty one, that's a lot of good rookies. That's a lot of good rookies. A lot of good young talent with RJ Barrett, Knox Robinson, two first round draft picks for the Knicks, which should be top five picks because they're gonna stink. And the Mavericks pick in 2021, you can enter that summer in 2021 and have a ton of flexibility in terms of assets that you trade. Maybe you want to flip Kevin Knox at that point. Maybe you want to trade one of those first round draft picks and have the ability to create two max slots. I know it's the same thing that they had this summer, but now it just wasn't the time. They just didn't, they didn't, they didn't, it didn't work out. They didn't land KD, they didn't land Kyrie, it didn't work out. So, what's the next best thing? It's building for the next time that you can take a swing. And maybe at that point, the team is more ready with the roster because this team is still young and raw. Barrett, who knows what he'll look like as a rookie. Knox was not good last year. Smith is not good uh, right now. So it's like this team was not ready to really build around a star, especially with KD coming off the Achilles and Kyrie going there they on a solo just, act. <laughs> they should have just built around Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> I don't mind what the Knicks did. The, the big mistake, like I said, the big mistake this summer was not trying to remain more financially flexible in order to take on and absorb those contracts that happen to make other deals work. Oh, like that that, was, That's where the mistake was this summer, in my opinion. Okay. Katie and Kyrie, out of your control. But the, the most important thing for the Knicks is the next two, two years, James Dolan, just like be quiet and like get out of the way. Just let the front office do their thing because their image needs to change. And I'm not sure... I mean, it, it will matter for some players. It doesn't matter for others. For LeBron, it did not matter going to the Lakers. LeBron is always the exception. But other guys will look at that and do consider that how ownership how, how ownership acts and how ownership operates. So even, even if what is true, uh, even if what is perceived is different from the actual truth, perception matters. And so for the next two years, I think the Knicks really need to be careful about how Dolan is, Dolan specifically needs to be because they need to fix their image. So in 2021, they do look appealing. Right now, they don't, but in 2021, they could. Okay. All right. Let's just wrap up with this today. Um, 
Is there a signing that you immediately upon seeing it said, like, and, and maybe not just star, but that you thought, wow, that is a great sign by a team that has taken place in free agency? Hmm. Anybody that may be a little under the radar, and I'm talking about in the class of the, you know, Damare Carroll to the Spurs or like, uh, you know, Rodney Hood back to Portland or, you know, like that around that kind of area more so than like the big time players. I'm not talking about Kyrie getting four years, 141 million. I'm talking about, you know, maybe lesser guys. It's JJ Redick going to the Pelicans because already I was thinking about the Pelicans trying to figure out ways this team could team could actually make the postseason with with a rookie and Zion Williamson. And JJ Redick doesn't necessarily swing the needle in that way, but he is what they needed now next to a team that doesn't have a ton of shooting on it. Like that was the one concern with them. I think they're going to be really good defensively. I think they're going to be fun offensively, but in the half court, they needed a guy who can stroke the ball. And JJ Redick is one of the best ever. So for them to add JJ, who another one of those guys, like we mentioned earlier, who has never missed the postseason. JJ at 34 years old, or just turned 35 last month, actually. JJ at 35 years old is still a guy who can fill it up. And I think next to Zion, there are a lot of exciting things that Alvin Gentry could do with that offense, with the amount of guys that can handle the ball, the amount of guys that can be used as screeners. JJ fits in perfectly next to every single other guy in that roster. So JJ Redick, for sure, the two-year, $26 million deal that he signed. All right. Mine would be Ed Davis. When that came up, I... Uh, because Ed Davis, listen, I've known him for years since he's a very young player in the league. Um, and I do know the guy and I like him greatly, but I'm trying to separate myself from that. Ed plays defense and Ed plays hard all the time. He's got a real motor and he rebounds and he plays team basketball and he can keep the ball moving. And he, you get guys that come off your bench and they give you great energy. And then in a pinch, when you need him to start, he can start for you and grab you, you know, He'll get you 14 points and 11 rebounds on the night you need him. And so it gives you Gobert insurance. I also think he is perfect to put with those guys and what they've got in Utah and really makes up for the loss of, you know, favors. Um, and he's he's real size that can help the team. And he that that's a I mean, you're paying five million dollars for a guy that will absolutely be in your rotation, which to me, that's that's what great. That's how great teams are built by finding guys that can be in your rotation um, that are $5 million players because it's usually, you know, rookies that you have to do that with. Those are the guys that are not getting paid. They're still on their rookie contract and contributing a lot. And so they are greatly outperforming their contract. Five million bucks for a guy that plays for you every night. That's, that's to me a steal. It really is. It's mind blowing how many teams Ed Davis has played for and bid productive for. And Utah is going to be the next one as a backup center behind Rudy Gobert. Great for them. Great for them. It it, it actually, it could have worked out in his spot. He was in the Rudy Gay trade. That's how I met him, first of all, um, when he was part of a very good Memphis team. And the coach always resented him because of the Rudy Gay trade, like immediately. Like he walked into practice the first day and Lionel Hollins, you know what he said to him? Not hello, not welcome to the team, nothing. You know what he said? He walked right up to Ed and he goes, you're a lot shorter than I thought you were. And like, <laughs> just hated it the whole time. Just resented him because he was so mad about the Rudy Gay trade, even though it made the team significantly better. But 
Tayshawn Prince, uh, Ed Davis, that that whole deal that went down. Um, and I was an Ed Davis fan then, and he wasn't good to play. And obviously, I followed him throughout, played for the Lakers, played for the Blazers, played for Brooklyn. He helps teams. He does. He helps teams. And he's a great locker room guy. Great. Good veteran guy to have around. So that's mine. Um, this has been very, very wild, to say the least. Uh, we ain't even done. There's still a lot of players out there that don't have teams yet. For sure. One of the names we didn't even mention, DeMarcus Cousins and Adrian Wojnarowski reported last night there's no market for him. Maybe not even for the mid-level. You called that. Mm. You did. It's hard to believe. wonder where he'll end up. That is very hard to believe. All right, Kevin, Summer League begins this weekend, and I will see you there. We will be together in Las Vegas. Hopefully, we'll see a bunch of uh, listeners out there uh, of the mismatch. Say, hey, if you see us. Last year, we sat next to each other to watch Bagley versus Aiton. What do you look forward to the most? I know Zion RJ is like on night number one. Zion RJ. <laughs> that's like that's the what you look forward that's to the, the most? only thing I'm necessarily looking forward to. The rest of it, it's like, depending on timing with lunches and dinners and all that, uh, to plan around that. Um, but there's going to be a lot of great players to watch, a lot of great young players to watch, see which college players come back looking better with new skills. Um yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to all of it collectively, but the one thing I'm really, really looking forward to, of course, is RJ versus Zion. Pelicans versus Knicks Friday night. That'll be fun. I will find you there at See you there, the man. game. Uh, we will obviously do the podcast next week from Las Vegas. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening to another episode of The Mismatch. Hopefully Kawhi signs by then. <laughs> man, you ain't lying. Go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. And we will talk to you next week. Hey.